So this is week five of a series that we've been calling How to Study the Bible. And we've covered a lot of ground, a number of different things. If you've missed any of the weeks, I would encourage you to watch online, to, to watch some of the, the messages in the worship service in, in its entirety. There have been some incredible things that we've talked about. And so today I want to talk about empowering. And so for us as a church, the first point I want to share with you is that we are going to empower women in ministry. That's the type of church that we are. And so since the beginning of Grace Church, Pastor Nicole and I, we've led together. We've been leading together. And we, we feel that in Scripture that there are husband and wife teams that come together to lead in church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, it says, The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. And so the, the reason I started the whole message with the church is actually people and not a building is because there are plenty of home churches and churches that meet in different places. And, and so church is the body of Christ. It's people that come together. So here you have a husband and wife that were leading a church together in their home. And they didn't only just do this once. They actually did this twice in different cities. They planted churches out of their home. And so it, it, it makes sense, though, if you own a family business and you're married, you're in it together, uh, right? If, if that's you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your spouse starts a company, your family is in that and doing it together. And so do we have individual callings? Absolutely, no doubt about that. We're unique in the way that God sets our path and what he has for us. And so when Nicole and I, you know, understand our calling and commitment to each other and, and to the church, you know, we, we, we understand our roles are different and they're separate, but... We feel that we're actually better together. We feel that God has allowed us to be a team together as a husband and wife because Nicole and I, our lives are very intertwined. Nicole is my workout partner. Like we lift weights. She spots me when I'm on the bench, when it's getting ready to come down and fall on my chest. Like she'll help me out and she'll lift it up. We parent together. We have three amazing sons and so we, we do that together. When we make a big decision, we make the decision together. We talk about it. And so we believe that I am the head of our home. Uh, we believe that that says that clearly in Scripture, and we also believe that I'm the lead pastor of the church. No doubt about that. Scripture's very clear about that. But there is this, a, lo a lot of examples where are times when Christians have debated the topic of women in leadership. And this has been uh, something that's been talked about for, for a number of years. And so we've been talking about how to study the Bible and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to study the Bible, teach you what Scripture says on women's role in churches, and I'm going to show you why, why we believe what we believe. And so because at the end of the day, humans have put limitations on the church. God has no limitations. He empowers the church through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, not limited at all. But in fact, it's human beings that have placed these parameters. And so here's why this is important. Here's why I want to take a whole Sunday and teach on this. Because this has been a, 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 small, uh, a small bump in the road for us as a church. Uh, and, and why I say that is because periodically there are some people that would come to our church and, and check us out. And, and, and they'd be like, oh, wow, you know, there's a female pastor on staff. We can't stay. Like, we're not going to stay in your church. And so, uh, you know, w and, and we talk to those people. We try and communicate. We actually have a document that talks about our stance our biblical stance on women in ministry. And so we share that uh, in, in our Discover track. We share that with new people. We don't hide that in any way. We actually communicate that. So it's been, it's been an issue on a small scale up to this point. 
But here's why I, I mention that, because we actually are anticipating, you know, for our church with, you know, us getting into the building in a few weeks, you know, a couple, less than two months we anticipate. So what we anticipate is that our platform as a church will actually take a step up. We feel that the Lord has kind of led us, allowed us to grow, allowed us to get to the place where we have a permanent facility. So what we also feel is that, unfortunately, there may also be some other people that cause this to be an issue, uh, that they're going to cause this to rise to the top. And so, and I just want to empower you. Like, if you call Grace Church your, our, your church and you're with us, like, I want to empower you because it's possible you've already encountered that type of discussion if you've invited other people to, to come to Grace Church. And so when you look at women in leadership, I would say very profoundly and strongly, it's a biblical interpretation issue, not a biblical authority issue. And so some churches, they wrestle with that. They're trying to figure it out. They're debating and they're talking. And, and there are great churches that actually believe differently than we do. But we've, we've read, we've studied scripture, we've had conversations, we've dug down deep, we've prayed. And so when it comes to doctrine and theology, you can't just look at one or two verses. And so we have to understand the entire text, the entirety of the Bible in, in, in all of it. And so we have to understand who the letter is written to and why. We have to understand why that book is written to that certain church or people. And we have to understand the, the whole context. So when we study the Bible, we see that there's constantly just value and inclusion given towards women. This is just profound all throughout Scripture, even at the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, you know, it's, it's God made them both. God created Adam and Eve. He made them male and female in his image. Now, did he create Adam first? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. It's very clear that that happens. But, but does that make him better? Does that make him smarter? Does that make him dominant? And so these questions have been tossed around and, you know, we really have to look deeply into ourselves and what we believe as human beings. And so for us as a church, we look at scripture. And so when you, when you understand scripture and, and the creation, what happened was God was speaking this out. And so he gave purpose to both of them to co-rule over the earth. It says very clearly in Genesis 3, they. God doesn't say one person, but he says they, them together. And, and, and in scripture, it talks about how, how, how Eve was like a helper. And it even uses the term helper. And the thing that's really neat is, is people look at that and they go, oh, wow, that's so, cre so cute. And like women are supposed to help their husbands. And, you know, and, and, but, but here's the deal. Like I, the, the reason I bring this up is because the term helper in Genesis 3 is the same term that's used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So it's not a lesser term. You know, because we look at helper as, you know, somebody who is lesser or not as important, and that's not the case at all. The same term is referred to a female, you know, being a helper in, with her husband as the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And so the, the, the definition of that, of that term is that it's one who comes with an expertise that you don't have. And I'll tell you what, when you look at male and female, they are very different, not only just in anatomy, but in process and emotions and, and, and the calling that God has put on our lives. I mean, it's just, it's obvious, it's no doubt. So all throughout the Old Testament, you see time and time again where God would raise up, he would raise up prophets, men, and he would also raise up prophetesses. He would raise up females 
to, to lead and to speak out. And so these women, they were used mightily, mightily to speak by God, to speak through them the, the word of God to the people. So in time and time again, you see examples of this. And, you know, even at Jesus' birth, there was, there was a, a, an older lady in the temple there that prophesied over the Messiah. Like, it, it's time and time again. You have Miriam, who was Moses' sister, who was a prophetess. You have Deborah, who was one of the judges. You know, if, if you look at the book of Judges, there were a number of judges that led over Israel, over the whole entire nation of Israel. And they led not only as leaders, but spiritually as well. And here's the deal. Deborah was married. Okay, it wasn't that, oh, there's nobody else to be a leader. I guess we have to, you know, be stuck with a lady. Like, no, no, no. Like, Deborah was married, and God picked her to lead over the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And so, you know, th there's, there's some who want to say, well, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. But when you understand Scripture in its entirety and what's communicated, even those verses that talk about submission, it's, it's very clear that it's referred to as a mutual submission one to another in that close relationship and we see that in church leadership as well but what happens is people try to impose sexism into church where clearly god says that he is not a respecter of people he gives gifts and callings to individuals okay, regardless of gender and so we have to recognize that. And then that's, that's some examples from the New Testament or in the Old Testament. But when you look at the New Testament, I mean, God chose to birth his son through a woman. Did he have to do that? No, not at all. But he chose to do that. Uh, when Jesus empowered women all the time, like time and time again. And when you read the Gospels and you, you read Jesus' interaction with women, like in, in a culture that was oppressive, Towards ladies and females and girls, Jesus was empowering them. And we have to recognize that. Gosh, when you look at John chapter 4, you have the story of the woman at the well. And so this woman, right, encounters the Messiah at the well, and he was there on purpose. It says very clearly he had to go through there because he had an encounter that had to take place. And then what does she do? She goes down to the town and does what? She brings the gospel, the good news, hey, there's a guy there, and he, he told me everything I did. You've got to come and see him. Like, isn't that church? Like, the church is not a building. Can't church happen around a well? Can't church happen around a town square? Yeah, that's the good news being brought and proclaimed to an entire town. Now, was she used to teach that town? No, because she was not in a place where, like in her lifestyle that she could do that. But God chose so many times. He, he chose women uh, to empower them, encourage them. God chose a woman to bring the news and the message that Jesus is alive to the church, to the disciples. They, like a female was there at the grave and, and encountered the, the reality first. And so why did God do it? Why did he do it that way? Like he could have picked a man, but he didn't. And so I, I, the reason I bring all these examples up is because through the entirety of Scripture, women are empowered. And so why would he not be okay with women sharing or teaching or leading in church now when we look at all throughout Scripture when they were permitted and allowed and encouraged to do that? In, in, in the, the book of Acts of the Apostles, um, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on both men and women. 
when Peter preached to the crowd. You have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost in, in Acts. And so if you want to read that. So Peter then stands up and speaks to a crowd of thousands of people. Do you know what he quoted? He quoted the book of Joel. Do you know what verses he quoted? This is very purposeful. We've got to recognize this. This is Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. Now, the Holy Spirit could have had Peter quote any of the verses, any of the prophets, major prophets, minor prophets, something from the law, could have picked anything for him to quote. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter then empowers the reality that, that females, men and women, will prophesy, sons and daughters will be used in a powerful way. So both, both men and women, it's inclusive together and very clear throughout Scripture. Now, you can tell I'm a little bit excited, riled up, whatever, but I know like if, if you call Grace Church your church, uh, then you already know and you're aware that my wife leads with me. And you're, you're probably aware with that, and you're probably okay with that, or you wouldn't be here. Uh, let's just call it what it is, right? I get it. But there are those that are not. You know, and when, when they do their interpretation of Scripture, they're not okay with it, and, and they don't stay. And so I just want to empower you, you know, with, with the understanding of what Scripture truly communicates. Because there's two specific passages, two particular verses in Paul's writings that have caused significant debate okay it's these two particular verses so what i want to do is i want to look at both of them we're going to read them we're going to process them we're going to do an exegesis where you break down the verses and what they mean and, and break it down so why so that we can understand the context of what is written and why paul writes that so let's take a look at the first one it's first corinthians chapter 14 starting in verse 34 it says women should be silent during the church meetings it's not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it's improper for women to speak in church meetings. Now, you can see that's, that's strong language. That's very clear. That's why people have taken that and say, you know what? Women should not teach in church. Like, and, and so they take that and, and they communicate that. So, but the question I want to ask you, is this absolute truth or is this situational instruction? Because there's a big difference. Absolute truth would be the theology, the doctrine, and what God communicates throughout Scripture. Situational instruction would be where Paul, as the apostle, is writing to a particular church for a, a certain reason. And so in Corinthians, Paul, the apostle, is writing to that church regarding a certain matter. Regarding something going on. Because what was happening was women were being disruptive during the church service. They were being loud, they were, being, they were asking questions, you know, what was going on, because here's, here's what's happening in that culture, women were not permitted to learn. Women were not permitted, they were not given the opportunity to, to, to learn and be educated, and now they were. Like in the church, they had this incredible opportunity, why? Because both men and women have this incredible uh, it, just relationship with the Lord and involvement in the church, so the, the church is allowing women to be in there, in the Corinthian church, but... They had not yet been instructed in orderly worship. And so 
if he was speaking out absolute truth regarding women and, and they're speaking in church and involved in church leadership, he would be contradicting all the other verses where God equips women and empowers them and puts them in a place where their voice is to be heard, both in leadership, in church, and with people. So this is a letter to the Corinthian church addri addressed to both men and women. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39, he communicates this. He says, so, my dear brothers and sisters, like he's including females in this, in this writing. So be eager to prophesy. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So he's saying, hey, like, ladies, I'm so glad you're here, but you're, you're, like, you're disrupting the worship service. There's an order. But when you prophesy, when you speak, don't forbid these things. Like, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. But everything's done in an order, in the way that God designed. There's supposed to be that understanding. And so he would have been contradicting himself had he said women are not allowed to to be in leadership. He's talking about a, about a specific situation. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, just a few chapters earlier, take a look at this. It says, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without covering her head, for it is the same as shaving her head. Now, what does that mean? Like, you, okay, I mean, right, so... Men can't wear hats and women need to wear a bonnet? Like, I mean, read the scripture, right? What, what, what does that mean? Because th that's why we're talking about this. So he's empowered. He's saying both men and women, but women need to be quiet. Hey, when you're doing the prophesying, you've got to wear. Like, I mean, come on, folks. Like, we've got to understand scripture. Paul's talking about human tradition. This has nothing to do with, with God's design and what he's created because Why? Because God's more concerned with our heart. Like, what, what's on our head? I mean, I, like, I could wear a hat. Am I going to hell? No. Like, it's okay for me to wear a hat. Like, it's all right to do that. Why? Because that's human tradition. That's what Paul's talking about. God is so concerned with our heart and who we are and our calling that he would empower us as people. Now, if Paul were speaking absolute truth, then that would mean all women would be to remain silent and not allowed to speak. That would mean that they were not allowed to talk, they were not allowed to sing, they were not, like nothing. That would mean like they're not allowed to, to teach scripture in, in their home, in their connection group, because that's church. They would, they would not be allowed to lead a Sunday school class, a vacation Bible school, they would not be allowed to teach kids God's word, they would not be allowed to, then women must remain silent. Like if, if that's what he was communicating, like that's what would have to happen. And that's not the case. When you look at culture, culture has been selective on allowing women to speak in certain situations and not others. And I just don't think that that's what the Lord is communicating. Like, I just don't. So, so then we ask the question, why? Why did Paul say this in the first place? Because he was bringing order in a disorderly congregation. Let me give you just a simple example to boil it down so we can get this. Let's say... There's a dad, and he's going on a date with the mom, and they've got kids. And he says to the babysitter, he's like, you're going to watch the kids. We're so glad. We're going to have a date. It's going to be awesome. I need you to watch the kids. Could you do me a favor, please? 
my daughter, she's precious, she's amazing, she's a little princess, but sometimes what she does is she gets up out of bed and she goes in her brother's room and, and she wakes him up. And then after she wakes the, the one up, her older brother, she goes in the other room with the other brother and wakes him up. So could you do us a favor and make sure that she doesn't wake her brothers up, you know, while we're gone? Does that mean that the dad hates the daughter? No, like not at all. He's giving instructions to the babysitter saying, hey, I want to have order in my house. So that way, Saturday morning when we wake up after our Friday date, that, that way my kids aren't you know, like cranky and, and upset because they're so tired because their daughter got up out. Of, like that's all he's talking about. Like it's bringing order to a disorderly type situation. So we have to understand the context. I mean, in multiple examples in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about men and women and their leadership in church. And in this it, one particular instance, he's like, hey, there's got to be order. We're glad you're learning, but you've got to ask the question. There has to be, you know, just an understanding what the presence of the Lord is here. So there's order in our worship. And there's many more examples about order of worship in Corinthians. So let me take a look at the second passage. Uh, this is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. He says this, a woman should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let a woman teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Now, we can choose to quote this one verse as authority. But what if we put it into context? Like I, I would say we have to understand the context of what's being written. So here it is. Paul who's the apostle, planted all these churches. He's empowering young pastors to take the leadership of those churches. One of his favorites was Timothy. He even says, I like Timothy the best. So he writes Timothy, First and Second Timothy, is written by Paul to Timothy, who is a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. Do you know about Ephesus? Let me give you a little bit of a background of Ephesus and why this is such a big deal. Ephesus was a, was a very significant city. A lot of commercial uh, marketplace, a lot of business happening. It was very wealthy and very sinful. A lot of sinful things were taking place. Uh, the, one of the, the primary things that took place was the pagan worship of the goddess Diana. You know, if you understand kind of, you know, Greek, uh, you know, worship. And, and so we just we understand that there's other beliefs and religions. And, and so the goddess of Diana was one of the prominent ones in the city of Ephesus. And she was considered to be the creator of all things, like kind of the, the mother that would birth humanity, that type thing in, in, in their worship. And so in the temple to the goddess Diana, it was known for having lewd sexual acts that took place. I mean, we're talking about orgies, we're talking about awful, degrading things that, that would happen to women in this temple. And in Ephesus, the power of God shows up. The Holy Spirit moves, is sweeping through the whole city. People are getting saved left and right, thousands upon thousands. People are coming to know the Lord. But they were bringing their old way of thinking into the church, their old lifestyle that they had come from because they worshipped Diana. That was the, the pagan worship that they were involved with. So now they're exposed to Jesus, the true one living God, the Son of the Lord, and, and they're going, okay, like what does this look like? We know all this, and, but now it's this. So the, they, they have some crossover. They don't understand everything yet. So 
what Paul does is he writes to both men and women in 1 Timothy. Here's it, here it is. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. The next verse, verse 9. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing, not to draw attention to themselves the way they fix their hair by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Why would Paul talk specifically about the clothing that ladies are wearing? Because in the former temple, it was very promiscuous. That was what was encouraged. That's what they wanted. That's, what, like that, that's how they dressed when they went to that. Now, things are different. But I need you to recognize something in that verse. It says women. And that's plural. Like, remember the culture that he's writing to. He's writing to Timothy in this culture of Ephesus. And he says women. Now he says, hey, men, I don't, I, like, I don't want you to, to bring in anger. Like, I don't want you to discredit the gospel because of the way that you act. Like, we've got to be holy. We've got to worship the Lord. That's great. That's awesome. And women, don't do what you normally did before. Don't dress that way. Like, we can be modest, you know, and, and honor the Lord because we don't want to discredit Christ's death on the cross. Now, understand this with the context. So he writes to men and women. In 1 Timothy 2, 11, a woman should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let a woman teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. A woman is singular. All the math people, or I'm sorry, all the English people, like you get this. If you're into grammar, you get it. Plural versus singular. This is the Greek word gune. Like, I, I don't use the Greek, like, ever in Grace Church, because, you know, but when we're talking about understanding context and breaking down this verse, there was a rebellious teacher who was a female in the, in the church in Ephesus. And what Paul was doing was Paul was calling her out and saying, hey, what she's doing is not right, it's not good, but... She's allowed to stay and learn. So Paul was calling her out and saying, hey, she should not be in leadership. She doesn't get it all. Like, she doesn't understand everything. So put her aside, put her in class, teach her a few things, and then let's see what happens. And, and there was a time when Priscilla and Aquila, they did the same thing with Apollos. So what you have to understand when you talk about husband and wife teams, that they, they were a power couple. And so it's, it's clear in Scripture that there was a time when they both, as a couple, they were instructing Apollos. Do you think it was just Aquila that was talking to Apollos? No, because it says that Priscilla and Aquila were teaching him. They were showing him. They were explaining him to, to him so that he could understand better. And so this was a culture where women previously were not allowed to learn. Not at all. And yet... Paul is actually being gracious. He's actually being empowering in these verses. He's saying, hey, we want you to study. We want you to learn what's going on. So is this absolute truth? Or is this instructional leadership, situational instruction, instruction that Paul's giving? You know, for me, 
I mean, obviously, I feel like it's, it's situational, like Paul is writing to a particular church, to a particular pastor about a specific situation. No doubt. Like that, that's why Nicole and I feel so comfortable doing what we do and, and following Scripture and believing this and leading the way that we do. Unfortunately, legalism has crept in in the interpretation of these two verses. So in the light of the context and the entire Bible, and Jesus, his life, and his ministry, we believe that women have a place of leadership in this church. We believe that no one, no, no one will ever be limited because of their gifting or calling based on gender, based on race, or any other reason. Like, that's, that's the type of church that we are. And so we believe that people are valuable to the Lord. I believe that God can use kids, both boys and girls. I believe that God uses teenagers in the midst of, of their, in school and in class. I believe he uses college students, both men and women, adults, male, female, dads, moms, grandmas, grandpas. I believe that God uses all people, you know, and does not discriminate based on gender. Because why? Because the gospel's too important. It says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So you think God's going to be like, mm, you're a girl, like you can't do, like what? No way. God's going, go for it, girl. Like, come on, like preach the word, preach the gospel. And so our job as the church is to empower both men and women, sons and daughters. And please don't mistake this. Like, I'm not on this big woman trip type thing and trying to belittle men at all. No way. Like, I'm, I'm as strong as they come as a male leader. And if you've been in this church, you know that. And so I empower and embolden men all the time. And Father's Day is coming, fellas. Don't you worry. Like, don't you worry. But here's the deal. Like, like all of you, all men and women, sons and daughters, like when you read the context of the entire Bible, it's constantly communicated. And, and so do we believe this is leadership in the church as, you know, for a female pastor? Yeah. But to me, like I speak out to you as our church and those of you watching online, like we want you to be the church. Like be the church. Th that's what the Lord is calling us to do. It's not based on gender. And I just, but I do, I, like I love the fact that the Lord has empowered women. He's empowered them in our church and my wife. He's empowered them, you know, in, in servant leadership and, and on our dream team. He's empowered female leaders in our community, and, that, and that's incredible. So in church and the community. And so we wanted to take this opportunity, and, you know, with this being Mother's Day, just to honor all women. It doesn't matter whether you're a mom or not. Like, single ladies, if you don't have a kid, like, you're not, that doesn't disqualify you. But we believe that every single woman has a calling. Like, w when we dedicate kids, and, and it's a girl, like, she's not less than. Are you kidding me? She's got a purpose. And so we believe part of that is teaching, instructing, having a voice, a voice of influence. And so what I want to do is, as part of this service, I want to just invite my wife to come up. Come up. Pastor Nicole is, uh, is a co-pastor with me in the leadership of the church. And you guys could clap for her while she comes up. She's amazing. Yeah. So one of the things that I, would just, I wanted to share with you is in our wedding vows, I made a vow to her. I said, I, I pledge, you know, my life, my, me and all that I am, and I want to help you become all that God has called you to be. Like, to me, that's not based on male or female. 
Like my role as husband, as lead pastor, yeah, like I get it. It's a big deal. And I'm called to lay my life down just the same way Christ did. So the calling is very significant on me. And so I made the vow to her. I was like, I want you to be all that God has for you. No limitations. Not, not if anybody puts a limitation on you, like I'm going to stand there, like shoulder to shoulder with you, and we'll fight together, we'll battle together, we'll walk this out together. And so we want every single female to feel that empowerment. You know, and, and like I got to be honest, I, I pray for her because I, I feel like she's a pioneer, uh, to be honest, because the whole idea about a female pastor is, is challenging in certain circles. It is. So I see her, you know, a, as a strong female leader in our church, and, and I hope that you do as well. And so, like, she needs prayer. Like, she needs protection. She needs encouragement. Is she brave? Yeah, but some days are tough. Some days are challenging. And so I asked her to come up, you know, so that I could pray over her. But really, I see her as a representation. You know, I see her as a symbol for all, you know, little girls and, and teenage girls and college students and young ladies and, and every single woman in this church, grandma and mom, single person, it doesn't matter. You know, we want to be inclusive for all of you. And so I just, like, I want to pray over her and pray over you at the same time through her that you would feel empowered. Because you will be encouraged to step out, to step up in this church and in our community more than ever before. So let's let's pray and believe together. And so if you are a husband uh, and your wife is with you, I just would ask that you'd reach out and, and hold your wife's hand. She needs it. You know, women women feel oppressed. They feel this pressure because uh, these scripture verses are tough. They're tough to read and, and, and they've been battled. They've been beaten down with them for, for a long time. And so for us as men, we need to stand and be strong. You know, be leaders in the church. And so, you know, if, if you just, just be thinking of your grandma, mom, or whoever it is, your daughter, uh, or maybe a future child, and believing what God might do. And so let's pray and believe together. And so, Lord God, we come before you. And, Father, we recognize who you are. Uh, you're our dad, and you're amazing. We love that about you. You're so powerful and so strong. And so, Lord, I thank you for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit on both men and women. So, Lord, would you flood your spirit in this place? You're amazing and, and significant, Lord. You're strong. You, you are not biased in any way. But, Lord, you, you gave your son to die for all people, Lord, that we might be able to proclaim the, the gospel truth. And so, Lord, I, I, I agree. Lord, I agree with your word. I agree with your scripture. And I thank you so much for all the ladies that you've put in our lives, in our church. Lord, I thank you so much for my wife and the calling you've put on her for her to co-pastor with me, for her and I to lead this church together. Lord, we're better because of it. Lord, we both bring the strength to the table, and you encourage us to lead together. And so, Lord, with that, I pray blessings on, on all the females, all the ladies and kids and girls, and Lord, just your anointing be on them more than ever before. Lord, I pray just that we would rise up as men and women, the body of Christ, unique in our calling, gifted, anointed, Lord, and I just thank you so much that you lead us and guide us in all things. And Lord, I do pray, and we beg for a greater platform. Uh, Lord, we say that very humbly, but Lord, that, that your voice would be proclaimed. Lord, that there would be healings and signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, that there would be salvations that come as a result. Lord, that there would be baptisms, water baptisms, Holy Spirit baptisms. Lord, empowerment through your spirit. Lord, that there would, that
that this would be uh, the, the beginning, like of us step, stepping into a greater anointing, a greater level of worship, a greater platform for you, for your kingdom. Lord, you don't really need our help, but we want to join in, in your army, in your body, to do amazing things for you. Lord, I pray a blessing on moms and grandmoms and wives and ladies. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray.